so today for the sermon, for the message, we're going to be starting uh, a new sermon series. But before I kind of get right into the sermon series, talk about this new series, and specifically uh, today what we're going to be focusing on for our message, I, I do want to at least speak to the fact that I'm aware that, you know, significant things, shall we say, took place this week. It wasn't sort of an ordinary week. There were sort of some sig significant happenings that, that, that took place and while I'm not going to specifically address those as the whole of the sermon, I didn't want to sort of totally ignore them and, and set them aside. Throughout the week, I had already sort of thought about and planned out what I was going to preach on, the topic, this whole new series. And then everything sort of went down, and I, I was sort of thinking about it, praying about it, and it, should I change direction? Should I, you know, set the sermon series back a week and really speak to all that went on this week and sort of take a look at it and look at it from a, a biblical perspective, a biblical basis, and do that. And certainly there's great value in doing that. And we've done that at times over the course of this year where we've been in the midst of an unusual year with an awful lot going on, pandemics and, and riots and, and, you know, all sorts of things. It's just been an unusual year. And so at times I have sort of said, let's set aside what we we're going to talk about this week and sort of focus on that. And so at times there is great value to that. But as I was really thinking about it and praying about it, uh, I just sort of felt God leading me to say, no, don't, don't let that become the focus of the whole sermon, but continue and, and preach on what you had planned, or we're sort of going to focus on, on the church here. That's what our sermon series is going to be uh, ultimately uh, about. But, but nonetheless, again, I still wanted to touch upon this a little bit in the idea that I think oftentimes in the midst of life, and this year's been sort of case in point for this, crazy stuff is going to happen. We live in a broken, fallen world, and stuff is going to come up, big things, whether it's pandemics, whether it's riots, whether it's a nation sort of coming apart at the seams, as it seems to be the case. And again, at times it's worth talking about that directly and taking the time, but I think oftentimes, and this has happened for me over the past year, you can sort of let that become all that's going on, in a sense. It sort of becomes all-consuming, and it can sort of become a distraction. And I speak sort of you know, from personal experience in regard to that, I can get caught up in all of the political stuff and elections and this and that and pandemics and vaccines and masks and what do we think about all of this and so forth. And it can sort of become this distraction. It becomes all consuming and that becomes the focus. And so I want to say, let's not let every little things that thing that might be happening in any given week, because man, this year, like any given week, something big seems to be happening and we can let that become the focus instead of doing that. Again, it's not to say it's never worth taking the time to talk about it, but, but let's recognize that, hey, ultimately God's still in control. He's still Lord. He's still sovereign. He's in charge. We're still his people. We still have the most wondrous, glorious inheritance in him. All of that is unchanging. All of that is sure. And let's just focus on the Lord. Let's not allow these little things in daily life that we should be aware of. We should have a perspective on. We should have opinions and feelings. It's not to say neglect it, but don't let that become sort of the end-all, be-all and sort of steal the central place and focus. And let's not be distracted. And instead, let's focus on the Lord. And so that's what I want to do. We're just going to be focusing on the Lord today, but I want people to be aware. It's not like I'm just sort of casting things aside and utterly unaware of what's going on in our world, but I just felt God saying sort of stay the course, preach on what you were going to preach on, which is ultimately about being God-centered, and so all the more it sort of fits. Let's just focus on the Lord here this morning, and that's what we're going to do. And so we're going to start this new sermon series, and here we're going to be focusing on, on the church. And, and this series that we're going to do, sort of our winter series, is going to be focused on the idea of sort of 
what should the church and church life really be? What should it look like? And really looking at this from a thoroughly biblical perspective. And I think all too often, as we think of sort of church, church life, you know, in many ways, maybe the way many churches operate is in a biblical way. But I think sometimes, perhaps without even realizing, we can just sort of do things because, well, that's just sort of what we've always done as a church. And I'm not necessarily talking about New Hope Chapel specifically, but just churches in general. You can sort of build up your traditions and your ways of doing things, and you sort of think that's just how things should look because, well, that's what we've done, rather than sort of coming back to Scripture and saying, you know, what really should the church look like? What really should the church be? What should church community life really look like from a biblical perspective? And so that's what this winter series is going to be all about. And, and thinking of today specifically, how are we going to really kick off this series? <clears throat> and, and we're going to be focusing on the reality that the church is to be God-centered through and through, right? The church is not to be focused on me as the pastor or on you or on anyone else or an, on anything else. The church is to be focused and centered on God himself. And certainly any, any church filled really true believers is fundamentally right. A big picture going to be focused on the Lord. If we really belong to him, if we really are his big picture in our lives, God is at the center. He is first and foremost in our lives. But at the same time, it's sort of the everyday, it can be, even as believers, all too easy to sort of not live in light of that and sort of lose that big picture perspective. And in the everyday, as life's just sort of happening, suddenly I start to slide maybe myself into the center place. And I, I sort of start doing things with myself in mind and in a selfish, self-centered, self-seeking way. And it can be all too easy for that to sort of start to slip in and slip into the church. And we need to sort of come back and say, no, we're all about God. He needs to be at the center in everything we as the church do. And I really want us to, to take a look at what Scripture has to say about this, the church as being God-centered. And so we're going to look at a number of passages here, and I want to start with 1 Corinthians chapter 15. So you can flip there, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 28. And here's what it says, Paul writing here. And he says, When everything is subject to Christ, then the Son himself will also be subject to the one who subjected everything to him. So that God may be all in all. And I really want to focus on, on the end there. We'll ultimately talk a little bit more about the context and sort of flesh this out a bit. You know, put a little flesh on the bones of this, this verse. But ultimately it closes here with so that God may be all in all. Right? The idea here is that God is, he's all in all. He's all. He's everything. Right? He is the one who is Lord over all. He's God over all. He is the supreme preeminent one. Everything is all about him. He's everything. It's all about him. It's all for him. To put it another way, in the language we're sort of focusing on, everything is centered on God. God is the center of everything. And certainly, of course, the church fits into the category of everything. And so he's the center of the church as well. But fundamentally, God's just, he's everything. He's overall, everything is about him, for him. He's the center of it all. But you might look at this and say, uh, you know, but Pastor Steve, doesn't it say so that God may be all in all? And does that mean that currently he isn't all in all? And this is saying that, that this will happen so that then he may be all in all? That's a valid question to, to go and ask. And the short answer, we'll talk about this in detail. But God already is in his very being all in all. He is, he is all. He's everything. He is overall. He is everything that, that is, right? He is he's the fundamental existence and being, everything is about him, everything is, is for him, by his very being he is. But the reality is that in our present world right now, 
even though in his being he's all in all, he's everything, he is not always regarded in that way, right? There's still evil and there's wickedness, and he is not always viewed and regarded as all in all. In this whole passage, if we sort of zoom out a little bit, we look at the context, uh, and sort of looking at a few of the verses around here, what's going on is it's talking about when Christ returns, right? Christ is going to come back, and he's going to subject everything to himself. And, and the reality is already, right, everything is already, even before he returns, subject to Christ, subject to God. It's all under his authority. He's over it all. But again, this, this idea that sort of currently there's still wicked man out there sort of to some degree running wild. Yeah, the evil of man is still restrained to an extent by God. But man's sort of out there doing his evil thing. There are demons out there doing their evil thing. And so, yes, while they're ultimately under God's supreme lordship, they're sort of allowed by God for the time being to do their evil thing. But when Christ returns in the fullest, most perfect sense, he's going to make them subject to himself. They're not going to be around doing their evil thing. They'll be done away with, cast into hell, receive their just punishment, right? And, and the kingdom of God will come in all of its fullness and perfection and glory. There'll be the new creation. Everything will be perfect, right? Th that's what's being spoken. And so in the fullest sense, everything will be brought into subjugation to Christ. And then Christ himself will sort of hand that all over to the Father, Right? And in fact, he himself will be subject to the Father. And then that's where then we pick up here, right? So that God may be all in all. So that God the Father might be all in all. So the picture here is it's not that God in his being isn't currently all in all. He is all in all already. But he isn't regarded or viewed that way perfectly. There are people out there who don't regard God in that way. But ultimately, in the fullest sense, not only will he in his being be all in all, but he will be regarded and treated that way in this perfect new created order when perfection comes and Christ ushers that in. Now I want to speak to here so that God, clearly it's talking about God the Father may be all in all. It's not to say this all in allness, God being everything, right? That that's just for God the Father. In fact, elsewhere in scripture, we see that language of all in all in reference to Christ himself, to God the Son. And certainly it could rightfully be applied to the Holy Spirit as well. But there's a sense in which here in this, this verse, in this passage, God the Father with his sort of unique role and functional role within the Trinity as sort of the functional authority within the Trinity. There's sort of a special emphasis on that all in allness. So it's true for all three persons of the Trinity, the sort of an added extra emphasis that's being made here in regard to the Father based on his authoritative functional role within the Trinity. But the bottom line is God already is all in all, but ultimately the, the sort of fullness of that will come in the sense of all of mankind will regard him as such. Right, there will be perfection. He'll be regarded in that sense. But, but bottom line, in regard to where, what we're talking about, God already in his being, he is all in all. He's, he's overall, he's everything, right? Everything is for him. Everything's about him. He is the center of everything. And that includes the church. So as we think of the church, if, if, if God's at the center of everything, well, then he's at the center of the church. And in fact, as we think about it, and we're going to see this in our next passage, it's in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 to 6. You can flip there now. Um, it, it, what we see is in regard to the church, even the very reason for being, as we're going to see for the church here, is centered on God. The whole reason that we even exist as God's redeemed people is ultimately for him. He, he's the very center and reason for why we even exist as his saved, redeemed people. For him, he's the center of it and for his glory. And this is what we read in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 6. Paul writing here again, and he says... Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. 
For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. Right, certainly there's an awful lot going on here in these verses, but sort of the, the theme here that I want to pull out of this that's running through this is the point that, as is, is Paul says here, he, he chose us, he predestined us for adoption, just sort of to put it simply, he saved us, and, and we're told for what reason? Well, we're told in verse 6, to the praise of his glorious grace. That, that's the purpose. Basically, he saved us ultimately for the reason, for the purpose of him being praised. It's all about him being glorified. And so as we think of the reason the church even exists, the reason right, we have been saved and, and made God's redeemed people is ultimately centered not, not on us, not on me, but most fundamentally on God, so that he might be praised, so that he might be glorified. So our very reason for being, our very existence, is ultimately as the church centered on God. It's about him. He's the center of it all in, in every way. And we see that here for the church. Now, what I want to speak to is we think of, yep, you know, God certainly is, is the center of everything. It's all centered on him. It's all about him. He's all in all. He's everything. And, and, and that goes for the church. He's to be central in, in the church, in church life. And I want to sort of pose the question of, well, what does that sort of look like in church life? If we're going to live that out, what is that going to look like if God's going to be central in the life of, of his church? Practically speaking, sort of outwardly speaking, you know, what is that going to entail? What is that going to look like? And, and I'm not going to give an all exhaustive list of everything that sort of naturally flows out of, of God being central, but I mean, it certainly hits some high points. And first and foremost, I'd say that it's going to look like worship and worship being central and a priority in the life of the church. If God sort of is everything to us and he's at the center, then we're going to say, we just got to worship him. It's got to be all about him. We just got to worship him and praise him. And so worship is going to be central in the life of a church that keeps God at the center, where he's the focus, right? And as we think about worship, certainly we can talk about this in the sense of Sunday mornings. We're going to talk about a fuller sense of worship. Other ways, it goes beyond Sunday mornings, but that certainly is part of it, right? That if, if God's going to be at the center and naturally flowing out of that, there's going to be this sense of, we just, we just got to worship him. He's, he's all in all. He's everything. He's at the center. We got to worship him. We got to praise him. And we got to do that collectively, not just sort of each and every one of us on our own little islands living our private lives, but we got to join together as his people and just be lifting him up and worship and praise on Sunday mornings. And in fact, scripture even speaks to the importance of this. And I'd say, in fact, ever increasingly, we live in a world and a culture and even sort of filtering into the church where sort of the mindset ever increasingly, even in American evangelical Christianity, is sort of this you know, oh, you know, I believe in Jesus, I understand the gospel, like I've given my life to the Lord, and I, I read my Bible, I pray, all that stuff, but, but the whole like going to church on Sunday thing, like that's, that's like not for me, it just, I'm not that interested in it, kind of like a, you know, a pass on that one, all the other stuff, fine, I love Jesus, that's great, but just going to church on Sunday is not for me, that, that's sort of an ever-increasing thing in, in our world, in our country, uh, and, and really, this sort of speaks to that issue, and I want to read for us, Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 to 25, and it says, And let us consider how we, how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. Right here, very clearly, you know, any commentary you would read or study Bible would say this is clearly talking about Sunday worship. 
right, the body of Christ being together and worshiping together. Verse 25 here, which says, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. Already in the life of the early church, you have some saying, you know, Jesus, great, but this like church thing, gathering together for worship, like it's just not my thing. I don't really want to do it. And already we're being told, you know, no, that, that, that's not how it's supposed to work. This is important. We are to gather together as the Lord's people and, and gathers his people to worship him, to pour forth worship and praise. That's part of what should be part of the fabric of the life of the church. That's just a reality. And what that means, too, if we're keeping God central and we're keeping worship central that sort of naturally flows out of the centrality of God uh, for each and every one of us that means Sunday morning worship is going to be a priority for us whether that's for me as the pastor and thinking I'm not going to blow off my responsibility to to prepare sermons but to say no you know this service is important and I, I want to honor God in this I want him to be exalted and glorified and worshiped in this so I'm going to I'm going to do my best to prepare a sermon that's really going to to honor and glorify him and, and lift him high you know, and for worship, you know, as Richard's leading the praise and worship music, that, that he's going to say, again, I'm not just sort of going to wing it and whatnot, but no, I'm going to do the best that I can to, to give God the best and lead us as we just worship and praise God. And, and for each and every one of us, it's going to be to say, we got to be here on Sundays. Not, not the, you know, I'm kind of like getting a little tired. It's been a tough week, a long week, didn't sleep well, Sunday morning, you know, maybe the alarm goes off to get ready for church and it's like, ah, it's just one of those days, like, should I just sleep in, you know, it's no big deal, it's one Sunday, and truthfully, that, that's not the heart of New Hope Chapel, Th that's a reality for a lot of churches, if I'm trying to be honest about the average American church, your typical churchgoer is someone who says, yeah, I probably go, maybe it's every other week, or one out of three weeks, it's pretty common just to be sort of, oh, I'm a regular attender, and their view of that is like, I go once a month, I do sort of Sunday church once a month, and that's pretty mainstream, that's a reality, that, that's not the truth for New Hope Chapel. We really are committed. God is central for us. We have a heart for the Lord, and it's like, we just want to be here. We, we want to be here to worship God. We want to fellowship with one another, and I certainly want to applaud New Hope Chapel in that regard. Not that I'm here for us just to, let's pat ourselves on the back, and we feel good, but, but really, this is something that we are faithfully living out, and I, I do want to give uh, credit where credit is due, and ultimately, the credit is the Lord's, because he has given us that, that heart uh, for him. So this is something that ought to be a priority, worship on Sunday mornings. But of course, it goes beyond Sunday mornings as we think of, well, if God's central, then worship should be central. But that's more than just, well, we do worship once a week on Sunday, and that's it. And then worship ends. But the reality is, is it should be part of the fabric of just our daily lives. Even when we're not gathered together here in this place to worship the Lord, you know, even if it's just you get up in the morning and then it's, I'm going to have my quiet time with the Lord. And in that time with the Lord, you're just like worshiping him and praising him. Maybe you're literally even singing songs of praise to God, turn on some Christian music, worshiping him. Or just from the depths of your heart as you're reading scripture and praying, you're just worshiping God deeply from your soul. Right. We should be carrying that on all throughout the day that even as we're going about our day and maybe you're on your way driving to work or wherever, where there's just sort of this heart disposition of just exalting God in your heart and worshiping him that naturally over the course of the day is just even going to result in, in words of worship, even if maybe they're quietly stated while you're at work or whatever. But just it should just be sort of bubbling up out of us because we just have this heart of worship for God and we don't just sort of save it for Sunday morning and that's it but it just should sort of come out of us all the time as we're just going about our daily lives. But the reality is, even as we think about worship, it even goes beyond that, and it even speaks to, to sort of outward action as well in the sense of, of, of living out a life of, of service to the Lord. And, and we see this in Romans 
Chapter 12, verse 1, I'll read it for us. It says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Right? Paul's saying here, like, this is real worship for us to be offering up our bodies, offering up our lives in service to him, living out lives of service, of obedience unto God. That's an act of worship. It isn't just worship when you gather here and you're singing songs and so forth, or if you're on your own and you're just sort of praising and worshiping God. That is all worship. But even just living a life of, of faithfulness and obedience and service to God, that's an act of worship. And that's what we're told as well. And again, this is just what should naturally flow out of God being at the center. If he's going to be at the center of our, our individual lives, but also collectively as a church, this is what it's going to look like. We're going to be a people of worship. And indeed, we're going to be a people of, of service. Service in the sense that, yes, that's worship as well. But even just ser service from the perspective of it being service, if God's at the center of everything, if he's really at the center of our lives, center of, of church life, we're going to be saying, God's everything. We just, we just got to do whatever he wants us to do. Whatever, God, you want from me, I'm in. I'm going to do it. You know, you want me to love other people? I'll just serve you by loving others. You want me to be a witness for you? I'll do it. There's still sin in my life, and you want me to be rid of that and live a holy and, and, and godly and upright, righteous life? I'll do it for you, Lord. Right? We should be serving the Lord. If God's going to be central in our lives, we're going to be saying, we just want to serve you, Lord. And so there's worship, there's service. But I want to speak to another thing that naturally flows out of, of God being at the center of the life of his church. And it's this, that if God is central in the life of his people and in his church, then his people are going to keep God's word at the center as well. If we're a people where God's at the center, we're going to be a people as well where God's word is going to be central and a priority in our lives. And it just sort of logically flows. Again, if God's everything to us and we recognize he's spoken to us, God has something to say to me, to each and every one of us, to his people. He has something to say and he has, he has spoken it to us through his written word. And if God's everything to us and at the center, we're going to say, I got to hear what God has to say to me. Right? It's sort of, I just want to. I want to hear everything God has to say, the whole of his word. I just want to read it all. I just want to soak in his word day after day. I, I just want to meditate upon it, ponder it. I just want to be in his word. I want it to sink deeply in my heart and my soul and, and affect change within me. That would just sort of be the natural outflow of God being central in our lives to say his word's got to be central. And, and I think we're doing a lot better than the average church. But if we sort of say, what's the average American evangelical church in this regard? I'd say the average evangelical church talks an awful lot about the word of God being central and being a priority. There's a lot of talk, and that's good. But I'd say if we sort of look at the actions, they don't really back up the talk. If we're going to be honest about sort of the average evangelical Christian We'd say, oh, the word of God, this is God's inerrant word. We love it. That's great. And then, you know, you sort of look at their lives and it's kind of like how much of God's word have they really read? It's something that in all honesty, it's sort of perplexing to me. But your average American Christian believes this is God's inerrant word. And yet they've only read sort of a sliver of it, you know, and that perplexes me. So they'll read all sorts of other novels and so forth. And yet then they can't really make that much time for God's word. The one book that really matters Maybe it's sort of like, well, you know, I've read like John or another gospel, and you know, Romans and a few of the epistles and all those like sort of favorite verses that people have. Like I know those and a few Old Testament books, but it's sort of like, why haven't you read the whole thing? You know, and for people who've been Christians for, for decades, had plenty of time to read it. And still it's like, they've only read some of it, no big deal. And if this, you know, if God's really central in, in the natural outflow of that being 
I just got to hear what you have to say, every bit of it. We should be reading the whole of God's word and not just reading it once, but saying, I just want to be pondering this day after day after day. I just want to hear from you each and every day, every moment, Lord. And I think of uh, Colossians chapter 3, verse 16, and here's what it says. It says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Right? Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. And here, probably in the sense, at the heart of this is the idea of the gospel message about Christ. But I'd say thoroughly in view is the whole of scripture as well. It's not just sort of the heart of the gospel and that's it. But, but all of God's word is certainly, I'd say, in view here. And so, in a sense, think about this. Let the word of Christ, let, the, let God's word dwell in you richly. Right? That's, that's what should be a reality for us, where God's word is just so richly dwelling within us. It's not like, I've read a few of those verses that are important and, you know, a couple books, and I kind of get the sense of it that I don't need to read the rest, no big deal. But it's, no, this, this word of God, it means so much to me, and I just want to be in it all the time, and, and I just want to be saturated with God's word. I want it to dwell in me richly, where I'm just like pondering it and reading it all the time, and, and it's sinking deep within me that I'm not just sort of hearing it and reading it. But, but I'm taking it to heart, and, and God's using it to bring transformative work in my life and my heart deeply within me, right? That's what should, the church should look like. That's what should be lived out in the church, where, again, if God's central, his word's going to be central in the life of his church, and we're going to have God's word dwelling richly within us. So I, I kind of want to come back here big picture and get back again, big picture. God needs to be central. The reality is God's central in everything, period, end of story. Everything that happens, it's about him. It's for him. It's for his glory. That's the reality of it. We have a way of sort of making things about me. Surely everything's about Steve, right? No, of course not. It's all about God as it rightfully should be, right? That's the reality. God is at the center of everything, and that includes his church. And as the church, we should be saying, Lord, we just want to be all that the church ought to be. We want to look like what, what the church should look like. And part of that is being God-centered. And again, for New Hope Chapel, on the whole, for any good, solid, you know, God-loving biblical church, on the whole, God is at the center, right? If we're really believers, God is first and foremost. He's at the center. But again, practically speaking, in daily life, we can sort of lose that proper focus and start to make things about ourselves or whatever else. And we sort of lose that focus and cease to too often to sort of live in light of that reality that God really is at the center. And we need to say, no, we want to be the church that you've called us to be. Right, that wondrous view of what the church ought to be, we want that. Not to say we're ever going to live that out perfectly in this life, but nonetheless, we should strive for that. And that means God being at the center all the time in every way. Again, doesn't mean we're going to perfectly live that out, but that's what we should strive for. And as we think of what is that going to look like in our lives, it's going to look like worship being a priority. It's going to look like service being a priority. It's going to look like God's word really truly being central and a priority in our lives. And I just want to challenge us to really be that God-centered church, that real faithful God-centered church that, that, that really keeps him first and foremost in focus, right? Not losing our focus and going after other things, but really centered on God in everything that we do. End of story. And if we really do that, if, if we're going to say, let's, let's take this seriously, let's strive to grow. Yeah, we're doing well, but we can do better. Let's strive to grow in this regard. I mean, man, if, if we're going to really live that out and, and grow in this, just God's going to be all the more honored, all the more glorified in our lives all the more pleased in us and in our lives. And that's what we should want, just to honor and glorify God. We just should want him to be so wondrously pleased and delighted in his glorification. 
Amen to that. And let's pray. Lord God, you are truly at the center of it all. No qualification needed. Everything's about you. You're everything, all in all. And you need to be at the center of your church. We should be living in light of that. And certainly on that, the whole, that is our, our heart's desire. That is a reality for us, big picture. But, but we know we fail to live that out perfectly. But we want to be all that your church ought to be. And so we pray, Spirit, that you would just grow us, mature us. Help us to keep you, Lord God, at the center in everything. As we go about our daily lives, as we're gathered here in church, as we go home and we're with our families, as we're in our neighborhoods, as we head to work, wherever we are, may we be keeping you at the center. And may that look like worship being central in our lives on Sunday mornings, but even each and every day. May that look like service being central in our lives with you at the center saying, Lord, we just want to serve you with all that we are and all that we do. And may it also look like us being rooted in your word, just running to you, to your word, just delighting in it, soaking it up, being changed by it. And may we just be that church that we ought to be for your glory, centered on you, of course, Lord, ultimately, that you might be lifted high and praised and glorified in it all. In Christ's name, amen.